0: all those things moms do my guess is you listen to the lyrics in that song and whether you are a mom or maybe you thought about your mom or maybe you thought about some other woman in your life that did those things for you today this mother's day it is our chance to thank and notice and appreciate all the things that moms do and i'm excited to be the one to help us do that Uh, I have a vivid memory uh, from when I was mom, uh, when I was mom, when I was little, oh, it's going to be one of those mornings, uh, (laughs) where I was standing on the front porch with my mom and we were about to step into, uh, just the two of us step into the house that she had bought and and I remember her digging out her keys and she was going to open the door and I looked up at her and I said, mom, how old do I have to be till I can move out? And without skipping a beat, she said, you can move out when you're 18. And I said, okay. And that was the last we ever talked about it. Uh, But when I was 18, I did, in fact, move out. Uh, I packed up all my banana clips and my Walkman and my (laughs) Beverly Hills 90210 poster. And I moved away. Or at least I left for college. And to me, it seemed like the most natural thing in the world, like this is how it's supposed to be. You grow up, you move out. And I remember feeling really ready to do that. Um, I felt like I was mature enough. I had what I needed to take on this next phase of my young adult life. Now, 30 years later, with an 18 year old of my own, I appreciate the myriad of ways that moms build into their kids. But as a young adult, I don't know that I thought that much about the millions of ways that she would do things for me or with me to make me ready to move on into adulthood and to move on and move out. And, and you know, at the bottom line, I think that's everyone's goal, both the parents and the children for the Kids to move out. Now, the pandemic changed that for some families, anyway, for sure, for college students, but even for adults in their later 20s and even 30s, they found themselves needing to move back home. According to one report that came out about four months into the pandemic, get this 52% of American young adults were living with one or both of their parents. Half of young adults were back living with their families. And in fact, that number was so high, it topped the previous record, which happened during the Great Depression. All of this was a big adjustment for families and it kind of felt like we were taking steps backwards, right, I mean, if the goal is to grow up, to become independent and to move out, moving back felt like a regression. Cause see, there is something in all of us that wants to be independent. Can you say independent with me? Independent. Yes, we want it. We want to get away and be our own person. But the irony is we would not be this independent person if not for all the years that we were very dependent on our parents. And see, our families of origin shaped us in all sorts of ways, right? They shaped us in big ways, like how do you communicate? How do you show love? What do you value? And they shaped us in a bunch of tiny little ways, like does the toilet paper go over or under? How often is it okay to have breakfast for dinner? These are all so important things. But maybe one of the most important gifts that we get from family, a gift that allows us to grow into who we were meant to be was having a deep sense of belonging, a feeling that this is my family, I belong here, I'm at home here, I'm accepted here. And since it's Mother's Day, it won't come as any surprise to you that I'm gonna say that a lot of our sense of belonging that we got growing up came from our moms. One of the superpowers of moms is not to just create a literal home, but to create a sense of home, a place where we know that we belong, where we can say, this is my place where I am safe and loved and accepted. This is what moms do. And of course, dads do this too, but you'll get your Sunday next month, so just hold tight on that. It is moms who have this special ability to lay a firm foundation. And then that gets built on until ultimately we grow into who we're supposed to be. In other words, the reason we can build a life now is because of who built into us back then. What we have built now is because of who built into us back then. Now, before we go any further on this Mother's Day, I do wanna acknowledge that the mom I just described might not be the mom that you had. Unfortunately, not everyone listening today grew up with a mom that that gave them all of this. So for those of you that that is true, I I want you to recognize that while your mom didn't, that God gave moms this special ability to be someone that provides for their children. That in God's perfect plan, This is what moms do. And so for for today, as we talk about moms, my hope is that there was someone in your life that did this for you. Even if your mom didn't give you what you needed, maybe you experienced that in other ways from other women as you grew up. Or maybe you have that now in your mother-in-law, or maybe you see that now in your wife who's a mom. Or maybe you're a woman who's a mom and you you live into that in your own mothering, this intentional way to focus on moms. So so whether we, as we think today, whether we think about the mom that you literally grew up with or maybe another mom that built into your life, the truth is, is that women, moms in our lives impact us. And so today we want to recognize that. We want to give credit to all the moms that built us into who we are today. So for the rest of our time today, when I say moms, I mean all the moms, the biological moms, the adoptive moms, the foster moms, the grandmas who functioned like moms, or any woman that was in some way a mom to you. Because recognizing this is so important, not just because it's Mother's Day, but it's because if we don't recognize who did this for us, How can we be grateful for what they did? And when we're not grateful, we get in danger of thinking that we did it all ourselves because remember, we like to be independent. And when we fail to give credit to those who built into us, it makes us take all the credit for ourselves. But the truth is, like I said a minute ago, the reason we can build our life now is because of what got built into us, who built into us back then. So what mom or woman did that for you? And I want you to be thinking about that this morning. And I want to ask you this question to be thinking about. What did you receive from your mom or a motherly figure in your life that you can thank her for? As you think about this role of mom or a mom in your life, what comes to mind that you can express gratitude for? And I know some of you had an amazing mom, and she's not in person with you anymore to express that gratitude. And I want to invite you, what would it be to still have gratitude in your heart for all that she did? We're going to look in the Bible today for some examples, some kind of categories to help you think of how some of those might be. And we're going to do it in a little bit of a roundabout way. We're going to look at some passages that have very vivid mother images but all of the passages are actually talking about god now most of us are familiar with god as father in the scriptures there's many references to god as father but what you might not know is that there are also many references that talk about god being much more aligned with a mother let me show you a few isaiah 66 says this as a mother comforts her child so i will comfort you in Jerusalem, you will be comforted. So here's God through the prophet Isaiah referring to himself in the terms of a mother. And you get this this picture of a mother who's comforting her child. And then in the Psalms, we move into the Psalms and we hear David express this. He's saying, this is how I feel when I'm with God. Psalm 131, but I have learned to feel safe and satisfied like a young child in its mother's arms. And then if we go all the way back to Deuteronomy, there's this passage where Moses is kind of reprimanding the people. And he's saying that they have forgotten who God is to them. And this is what he says in chapter 32. You, Israel, were unmindful of the rock who bore you, of the the God who gave you birth. And God giving birth is about as motherly of an image as that one could have. And then even Jesus, he uses a motherly description of himself. In Matthew 23, he's teaching in front of a crowd and he's warning them of the ways that they have gotten off track, off trajectory. And he says that he longs to gather Jerusalem under his wings like a mother hen. See, throughout scripture, God's motherly Attributes are recorded. He's also referred to as a mother eagle, as a mother bear protecting her cubs, and again, as a mother giving birth. There's just these very vivid images of God like a mother. And here's one passage that I want to show you, and this is the one that we're going to be in today, and it has a bunch of analogies of God acting like a maternal mother, and that's going to be our main passage. And as we dig into it, I want to actually give you a second question to be pondering. I already asked you to be thinking about the question of what did you receive from your mom or a motherly figure that you can thank her for, And the second question I want you to think about as we go today is, how do you need God to be like a mother to you today? Today, as you're sitting here or as you're watching from home, what way do you need God to build into you the way that a mother would? See, there's some needs in us that can only get filled by God. And today, as we pull apart this passage that has all these images of mother, my hope is that it will give you some clarity about what you need from God today. So you've got two questions to be thinking about, and even though they seem really different, the two are actually connected. Well, can we thank our mom, and what do we need from God as a mother? Because, see, if we don't give credit to our mom or those who built into us. We, r- we run the risk of thinking we got here ourselves, remember? And when we have that mindset, we can't receive. So we want to open ourselves up with gratitude to receive what only God can give us. Some of us are trying so hard to be independent that we can't even receive from God. And there are ways that God wants to nurture you to mother you. And my guess is that there might be one of those ways that you really need today. So let's get into this passage in Hosea. What you need to know about Hosea is that the central theme of the book is the importance of knowing God. And so throughout the book, we see Israel, and then we see, we see Israel depicted as a woman named Gomer. And then we see God as Hosea. And throughout the book, Hosea is pursuing and going after Gomer, trying to show her his love. And it's this idea of God pursuing us, wanting to show us his love. And it's in this context that we see all these motherly images of a God who wants Israel who wants us to know him in all the facets that he is, not just heavenly father, not just victorious savior or righteous judge, but as a nurturing, intentional mother who gives us everything we need for all that he's called us to be. So let's take a look at Hosea chapter 11, verses three and four. This is God talking, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. All right, those two verses are packed with all these beautiful life-giving images of God and specifically pictures of what a mother would do for a young child now you might be asking but couldn't a father do these also and yes of course of course that's true but remember this was written to a people in a culture where women were the primary caregivers of the children especially the little ones so the daily interaction would have mostly been coming from the mother so as this audience heard these words read these words they would have definitely associated these things with maternal things talking about god being like a mother to israel now, one thing to note, you see in here that it says Ephraim instead of Israel, and I don't want that to confuse you, so just a quick history lesson real quick. You might know that Israel had 12 tribes, and those tribes were divided into two different kingdoms when Solomon died. The southern kingdom was made up of a tribe called Judah and Benjamin, and it would often just be referred to as Judah. So you might read in the Old Testament where it says, listen, Judah, or something about Judah. That's referring to the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was the other 10 tribes. And that would often just be referred to as Israel. So it depended on who they were talking to. But one of those 10 tribes, Ephraim, was the largest of the tribes. So sometimes instead of saying Israel, prophets might say Ephraim. So when it says Ephraim, it's just Israel. All that to say, it's the same. Don't let it confuse you. Let's move on. Okay. So (laughs) At the very beginning it says, it was I who taught you to walk. So right away, this really big milestone in a child's life and God is helping them learn to walk. And he goes on and describes, I took them by the hand. Can you guys picture it? grabbing the little hands, letting them toddle, took them by the hand, and then it says, I led them with cords of human kindness and the ties of love. And it kind of takes us to this next level of training where they don't really have to hold hands, but maybe there's a cord or something in between. And in this case, it is kindness and love. There's a little bit of distance. One commentator that I re- that I read about this talked about something comparing it to something called leading strings. You may never have heard of this, but in the 17th and 18th century, mothers and fathers had this thing called leading strings, where it was these strings attached to the kids' clothes, and then they would be able to kinda keep track of them still, but give them a little bit of independence, especially when they were just learning to walk. Looks super comfortable. That whole family looks very comfortable and natural. Kind of like a leash, right? Which kind of sounds weird to have a leash for a kid, but then again, we've all seen these things at the airport, right? I mean, it's kind of like your dog, but it's your kid, right? There's like a little bit of independence, but you don't want them to get too far away. Maybe you've heard of the phrase, cut the apron strings. Have you all heard of that? Cut the apron strings is this idiom about not being, uh, like take away the independence. Don't be so tied to your mother specifically. That's what that's about. And that comes from when, mo- when mothers used to wear the, a- they put the apron on to do all the work and, <laughs> do all the work, the moms did all the work. That's a different message. But- <laughs> And they would have these really long strings and they would attach the child to the strings so the mom could be going about doing all the work that she was doing and know that her kids weren't that far away. And then when they got old enough, they could cut the apron strings so they could be on their own. They were independent. Now, to be clear, none of these examples should be confused with these car straps for kids from the 50s which were designed to allow the toddler, if you read it there toward the bottom, to sit, stand, kneel, or sleep without disturbing the driver. So, oh my word. Okay, we're way off track, let's get back. The point is that the passage is referencing some kind of string or cord that connects the parent to the child. It is for safety. It's about training the child where to go and how to get there. So in the passage, God is described as leading with cords like that, made of love and kindness. And he's training Israel how to walk, leading them in the right way. And so there's this progression that we see of God depicted as an attentive mother who's close by, teaching to walk, and then one who has given them what they need to help them go on their own a little bit. And all of that really is encapsulated in this idea of training. God is training them, teaching them how to be independent. And as moms, that's what we do. We train our kids so that they can be independent. This is what moms do. Being a mom is like being a teacher for every single thing in life. This really shocked me when I had little kids. You have to teach them everything. You have to teach them how to blow their nose. You have to teach them how to tie their shoes. You have have to teach them how to wipe. You would think they would know, they don't, okay? Moms have to do every little bit of training so that that child can become who they're supposed to be and become independent. This is what moms do. This is what God does and walking independence, training you for what you need is a big one. Since it's Mother's Day and I'm the one with the microphone today, I figured you wouldn't mind indulging me and watching a short video of one of my kids taking their first steps. Here's what I want you to notice. Specifically, I'm not just showing it to to be self-indulgent. I want you to notice the delight on her face at this new independence. Watch this. This is Kennedy. He's about to walk. There's only one. Thank <laughs> <laughs> She's very talented. I oh. up, stand up. You almost did All training her. This is a big deal. She's going to be more independent now. And in the Hosea passage, God is visualized as this maternal influence who is very intentional about training Ephraim, Israel, training them so that they're prepared for everything that lies ahead, equipping them to be all that they're supposed to be. And what this does, it allows the child, or in our case, it allows us to say, I'm ready. I am ready to take on what's in front of me because I have been equipped and trained to do it, to do everything I need to be successful. I want us to all say, I'm ready, together. Ready, one, two, three. I'm ready. Feel that sense of, I can do this. So as we get back to our two questions for the day, let me ask you, one, how did your mom, or again, a motherly figure in your life, train you to be ready for adulthood? to set you up to win for everything that lies ahead. Today is a really good day to express gratitude for that specifically. And then our second question, how might you need God to continue training you and equipping you for whatever it is that you're facing today? How might you need God to be like a mom to you in this way? All right, we keep reading and we get to another example. In verse four, it says this, to them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. Now, I think you can picture that one too. It's this tender connection. It's when you, you hug or you lift up a kid and your cheeks go cheek to cheek and it's so close and it's so tender and it's so affectionate. This is about affection, But there is something kind of weird I would love to point out about this verse. Some translations, I don't know if you're looking at it on your phones or in your Bibles, this translation we have here and other translations like the NIV and the New Revised Standard Version, they say, lifts a little child to the cheek, just like we said there. We can visualize it. But other versions like the King James or the New American Standard Bible, they translate this same verse very differently, and I just wanna point it out. They say, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. Now you might be asking like I did, like what? How did we go from this sweet, sweet mother picture to livestock having yokes on their jaws? How, like is this even the same verse? How are they so different? Well, first thing you need to know is that the Old Testament Welcome to the Old Testament. I mean, it is complicated. It's confusing. It's in Hebrew, that doesn't help. (laughs) But this is actually really cool because believe it or not, these two very different translations are getting at the same thing. The raising the child to the cheek one, that's pretty clear for us to see that that's affection. This sweet moment of tenderness, this is what moms do. But if you're reading the eases the yoke on their jaw translation, here's what it's describing. So we know that a yoke is used for animals. And so a yoke lies on the back of the animal's neck or the top of their shoulders. And it connects them to another animal or to whoever is leading them. But what the farmers would do is when it was time for that animal to eat, they would push the yoke back or raise the yoke back toward their back shoulders so that when they bent down to eat, it wouldn't be heavy on their neck. You see what I'm saying? So it was a kindness, it was a, a tender kindness, a loving gesture on for the good of the animal that the farmer would do. So ease the yoke on their jaw means push it back to, to be a kindness to the animal. So even in that translation, ultimately what we see is a picture of God being kind and tender and affectionate toward Israel. So not only is there training with teaching to walk or teaching to lead, but there is affection so that Israel or so that we know we are loved. God's affection and his attention toward us is like a mom's that makes us feel accepted and allows us to say, I am loved. Can we say that together? I am loved. This part of the passage, no matter which translation you use, the cheek or the yoke, it's communicating that in God's eyes, we are special, we are loved, and He takes time to pay attention to us as individuals. And so again, we come to our two questions, asking how did a mom in your life show you that you are loved? How can you express gratitude for that? And then our second one, how might you need God to show you today that you are loved and seen? Last year, while we were doing only our outdoor services in the Grove, um, I had this vivid uh, picture that I got to see, and it really stuck with me. Uh, uh, it was one of those mornings uh, that was really cold. And so a mom was coming down into the Grove, uh, and she had her daughter there with her who was probably about 10 or 11. And the mom had on this, this heavy, long sweater, went all the way down to way down her leg, And they walked down and they sat by each other and they were standing for during the time when we were singing. And I remember I looked over at them at one point. And what must have happened is at some time in that cold morning, the daughter must have said, Mom, I'm cold. Because when I looked over, that mom had taken her sweater and just wrapped it around that girl. and Just stood there like a big warm blanket. And it made me realize that that daughter must have felt so loved. And that sense of i love you i see you i'm willing to inconvenience myself for you it is that affection that says you are loved you are special this is what moms do all right so we've talked about two categories we have one more we've talked about the training that helps us say i'm ready and we've talked about the affection that helps us be able to say, I'm loved. I wanna give you one more as we wrap up our time, and it's this last little phrase in verse four, and it says, and I bent down to feed them. Can you picture it? I bent down to feed them. Now, this is for sure a callback for Israel's story of when manna and quail were provided by God, that I bent down, I came down to where you are to give you what you need. But it's also a picture of what moms do, right? Moms reach out, they reach down, and they give what their children need. And the thing is about the mom is as soon as a baby is born, she becomes a feeding machine one way or another, right? It is all about the snacks and the food and the drinks and all the things. It's like no matter how old they are, the job of supplying food just never seems to end. Whether it is packing a lunch, driving through a drive-thru, giving them a snack after picking them from school, before they go to practice, all the things, all the food, all the time, all the moms. (laughs) Now I want to try something, and it might not work, but you guys know I love a good experiment. Uh, So I I just want to ask this, and I promise I won't embarrass you. You don't have to come up here. You don't have to say anything. But in our in-person audience right now, Is there a mom who like right now in her purse or in her bag has some kind of snack or drink or something for one of her kids? Is there anyone who does? Yes, yes, all right, we got a special thing for you. Come on down, Gavin. Come on down, let's hear it, let's hear it. Right here, he's got it for you. Yeah, yeah. Cause this is what moms do. It's always the food. Okay. Happy Mother's Day to you. (laughs) I came across this story this week that illustrates this this point. Um, It says, one day, a 15-year-old boy came home from school. He was hungry, as always, and he found his mom in bed, and she wasn't feeling well, and he was so concerned. And he said, Mom, are are you sick or something? And she answered kind of weak, like, yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, I'm not feeling too good today. And the son said, Oh, I'm so sorry, Mom. And his face just so concerned. And then there was a brief pause, and he took a big breath and he said, Mom, don't worry about dinner. I'm older now, and I'm pretty capable, and I would be happy to carry you down to the kitchen. All right, that's a lot of talk about food. Let's get back to what the passage says. The point of the passage is that God has sustained them. He has provided nourishment, not just physical, but spiritual nourishment for his children, for his people. He has filled them. He's satisfied them. He's provided for them. And the focus here is about how moms or how God does what is needed to sustain the children that they love so much, they provide for them, so that those kids can say, I am filled. Can we say that one together? I am filled. So let me ask you again, how did a mom in your life sustain you? What did she give you to help you keep on going, to have what you need? And then our second question, how do you need God to sustain you? You know, Mother's Day comes with all sorts of emotions. I don't know what you came in here with today, but whatever you did, I hope that in our time together, you've been able to pinpoint at least one way that you can express or even feel gratitude for a mom in your life who invested in you, for the ways that they have trained you built into you, given you tough love, did whatever it took to help you be ready for the life that was ahead, for that mom who showed you affection. Maybe you had a real touchy-feely mom and you felt it physically. Maybe it was more in her words. But what mom in your life just showed you all the time how special and loved you are and how they sustained you how they put your needs above their own and gave of themselves so that you would have what you needed. Take time today and express that appreciation. Appreciation for all the things moms do. And hopefully you've also identified what you need from God today. Because as we identify what moms do, we also learn and have a broader view of what God does for us. So I wanna encourage you today to spend a little time talking and thinking with God about that too. All right, let's stand up and pray together as we close. God, we so often call you Father And yet today we see how you are all things, how you nurture, how you are so patient with us, how even in the fact that you gave us moms, that it was caring for us, providing for us, guiding us. God, I pray that with any gaps that we have as we think about our own mom, that you would fill in those gaps. God, I pray for words that are hard to say today that you would empower us to say those. And God, most of all, that that we would relish in all that you have done for us to make us ready, to make us know we are loved, to fill us up, to be everything that you've called us to be. And God, even when we don't, how you love us anyway. Go with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Happy Mother's Day, everybody.